Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying time is here. That's right. We're talking about Megan on Kill by Kill. Well, greetings and salutations, Internet. It's your old pal, Patrick Hamilton, coming to you once again from a place that's not really Hasbro, but feels a lot like Hasbro. This is the Kill by Kill podcast, where we are dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film, the characters. And today, we're going to discuss Megan in the hopes that a toy developer's untimely end it's just the beginning of the jokes we might make at their expense. And as always, there's only one person I trust to make sure that if she's going to power wash my face, most of my face will stay on. The one, the only, Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing today, Gina? I'm just marching into your house. I'm whipping off my sunglasses and giving a look. And, <laughs> and your entire family can sit down and tell me all your problems. Yes. All right. Real quick. For those who haven't seen Megan, because there's bound to be some, there's a lot of movies in the world, right? Not everyone's going to have seen this particular film. So very quickly, before we get into spoiler territory, would you recommend people see Megan? Oh, hell yeah. It's a lot of fun. It's a, <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, it's a very good time. Yeah, it's, it's you know, it's. It's, it's like, you know, I keep, I keep talking about Cocaine Bear, which I saw some weeks ago. Sure. And, and it does exactly what it says on the tin. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a killer doll movie. Yeah. Uh, it is a killer doll movie that that I am absolutely dead certain speaks in the voice of Chucky at the last minute at the end of the movie. <laughs> uh, I, I will ex- I will explain. Okay. And, and, and you will tell me if you agree with me or not that it's a it's a quick little wink at the audience. But yes. um, yeah, if you like killer doll movies. Uh, this will scratch that itch nicely. Yes. I, I a hundred percent believe in my heart of hearts that Jason Blum and James Wan watched that child's play remake and said, the, the, the problem with it is they're trying to do a Chucky that just doesn't feel like Chucky. Whereas if you want to make a killer doll, a killer toy doll movie now, you would use everything at your disposal to make it unique to the times of which it lives in. And I think this does that very, very well. And I think Akila Cooper is the secret sauce here. She is obviously um, collaborated with James Wan on uh, Malignant. And that's another movie that absolutely knows what it is and then delivers on that promise. Megan is similar to that. Now, I like malignant a little bit more but also that's a different kind of horror movie than what this is trying to be that being said there is something about her singular ability to make the improbable and incongruous and impossible seem at least rational enough for you to get on board and then the flights of fancy are so much fun to watch that whatever, you know, for me, it is very easy to leave behind the doubting Thomas and the person who can't, you know, is this rational? I don't care about any of that because I'm having such good time that who cares about details that might throw me off. Whereas I didn't enjoy child, that child's play remake as much. And all I was left with was going, this doesn't work. That doesn't work. This doesn't add up. 
because I wasn't having a fun time. Megan, at, at, if nothing else, is a fun time. Exactly. I, I yeah, I, I did a review of it on my my newsletter, and I compared mm-hmm. to *Malignant* in the sense of that they are both incredibly stupid premises <laughs> right that that somehow you know you are you're watching you're like i am 100 on board with this uh <laughs> like and, and they both don't have these like absurd moments that everybody remembers were in malignant it is the the the, the jailhouse massacre mm-hmm. yes and in megan it's when she stops and does this weird little dance before <laughs> Before she yeah. takes off running after someone with like one of those, you know, industrial old school paper cutter, uh, paper cutter knives. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and just like, yeah, I, I'm with this. I, I am here for whatever is happening with this movie. Yeah, I agree. 100 percent. It, it's it's those sticky moments within this insane premise that I feel uh it makes it such an audience pleaser. I mean, we'll never really know what Malignant could have done if it had been released in a normal circumstance. You know, Warner Brothers was just going to do what Warner Brothers was going to do under the guise of AT&T at that moment in time. That being said, I feel like Akilah Cooper has the ability to take premises and make them sticky in a social media world. She just has a very singular ability. And I don't, I think you can apply a lot of depth to them because I think she's a very intelligent writer, but I also don't think she's operating on that. um, And I don't mean this as a slight in any way, shape or form. It's not a Jordan Peele where he's literally make, you know, (laughs) no, no, it's about how Hollywood chews you up and spits you out. And then, something chews you up and spits you out. Yeah, no, there's no, there's no real like deeper meaning to this. It, yeah. It's it's basically about how you know, adults are are all too willing to to kind of give up their lives for convenience sake. Mm-hmm. You know, and like one thing I got into in my review was I, I I don't know that I buy as much as the movie Watch It to that that you know, parents are looking for excuses to spend less time with their children. <laughs> yeah. So the, this doll will perfectly suit that need of basically being a, a shoulder for the child to cry on and a stand-in teacher mm-hmm. and a playmate. But I, I do think that there is something to the idea of, you know, uh, well, maybe, do you remember Teddy Ruxpin? Sure. Yeah, of course. So we were a little old for Teddy Ruxpin when it came out. Yeah, but, that wasn't exactly our job. But of course, we were just culturally aware of it because it was so ever-present. Right. It was, it was a doll that told, that read stories to your child. And, you know, of course, the time's like, oh, this is terrible. Parents should be, you know, taking time and reading to the kids themselves. And, you know, but it's only gotten, you know, more elaborate since then. And and if you were to tell me that there was an app called iNanny that, you know, sort of stood in for you, you know, when you're not able to take care of your child in a certain way, while also collecting information to sell to advertisers, I would 100% believe that. Yeah. Maybe not something on the scale of Megan, but yes. certainly something similar to it. Yeah. Uh, well, let's get into, because it's a definite recommend from the both of us. I think it's it's kill by kill approved. That goes without saying. Um, we're still going to say it anyways, because that's the gig. Um, so if you have not seen Megan and don't want to be spoiled of any of the details, um, that's perfectly fine. You can bounce here and come back to us later. 
Um, but for the rest of us who have or simply don't want to worry about that, let's get into the nitty gritty because you're right. There, I don't think there's any parent who wants an excuse to spend less time with their children. But I think there's something insidious that can happen where the pacification of a child, which is something you have to do with a baby, and what you do with a baby um, can feel like, I just need to occupy this this crazy human being's time <laughs> so that they're not constantly screaming at me, but I also want them to have experiences and be happy and cute with the acknowledgement that they're not always going to be. So here's something that will help pacify you when the world is simply too much. And not to brag, but we did not sit all over in front of a screen until he was three years old. And I think that has helped inform how he views what he watches and how he uses electronic devices. I do not believe that everyone can accomplish this. This is not a, this is how Patrick Hamilton has decided you need to raise a child. Let's not say that. We could because we were a two-parent household where both of us were at home all the time. So he, also, he, was, he was also your only child, too. Which, exactly. Which is, you know, that's a situation, you know, certainly with an older child where these things would come in handy. Yeah. I, I don't judge people who let their, ha- their children have tablets because... You know, it was simply only by design that my daughter was a toddler before tablets were a thing that right. I didn't stick a tablet in her face to us. But also, you know, I worked outside the home. Her father worked outside the home. Yeah, I mean, we you know, we had a little collection of, of, you know, DVDs, you know, to play for her. I mean, with the excuse of, oh, well, it's all educational stuff. It's all, right. you know, Blue's Clues. It's all, you know, Sesame Street, stuff like that. You know, but, you know, just to, to by some people's measures, it's not, you know, any different than just having to watch cartoons, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, this is, you know, you, what I'm saying is, you know, there's, you know, the, the idea, the concept of Megan seems so absurd that this, you know, is, is a, it's a, she's a nanny, she's a playmate, she's a parent, she's a teacher. But I mean, who wouldn't want all those things for their child all the time? Exactly. No, I, it, it's one of those things that is a simple enough idea. Um, It's just that Gemma it comes up with this idea and goes, you know what? We'll learn as we go. We'll just play <laughs> this by ear. And that is a fatal, fatal mistake. Yeah, well, not yeah, necessarily yeah, for her, but, but for, for people. several people around her. Yeah, I, I just think it's hilarious. See, we're not going to worry about the, the you know, security concerns or anything like that. We're just, we're just going to have this, 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 uh, uh, um, interactive robot move into our house and, and yes. develop a human-like personality. <laughs> and I would put emphasis on human-like. There is an element to Megan that in my mind, as I watched it, I'm like, she really is the internet given arms and legs because 
she gathers information that seems perfectly rational, right? And certain things that she says bear out as decent parenting advice or things you might tell a child when they come to you with a problem. But also, she has no basis for experience with any of these things and is adamant that she is right. And I'm like, oh, fuck, this is just my Twitter feed walking around in a dress. She's just, yeah, she's just regurgitating information. Yeah. Um, but I, the scene, like I said, the scene that she, where she walks into the house and just like whips her sunglasses off, like, why is a robot wearing sunglasses? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but she's got, she's already got this kind of judgy look on her face where, where like, she's like looking around the house. I'm like, who, who programmed her to look like that? <laughs> Like who programmed this robot who's supposed to be essentially like a helpmate yeah. in, 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 a, in, in a house with your know, busy parents to constantly be side-eyeing the parents. <laughs> that, that seems like a, a, a really terrible flaw in this design. Yes. I mean, there's a lot of flaws in the design and i think it is kind of wonderful in a way that gemma girl bosses her way into being dr frankenstein that is rare that is hard to do and she manages to do it conversely she's also put in a situation that i don't think a lot of people who are childless in their early 30s are necessarily thinking about because i have read several pieces and heard people talk about megan in the sense that you know how can you just put this you know this child in this very unwelcome you know feeling house uh that isn't designed for her or her comfort or her feelings it's like she didn't have time to do that that wasn't something she was preparing to do they're both placed in the circumstances they did not think likely or possible and they're stuck with it and so people don't give Gemma a lot of grace when it comes to dealing with an instant child to raise that's that's a really tough circumstance um but everything you can lay everything on the line when it comes to Gemma's ethics like she didn't even think to just put you know, one or two Asimov's laws in this bad boy. <laughs> just, like, I think it's one of the things you in, you pre-install when it comes to robots. Yeah, it, it, I'm, just, I'm trying to think of like, you know, the, the, the implications of having a robot in your house that's constantly listening. But you know what? Right. We do. We do <laughs> have robots in our house that are constantly listening. I yes. don't. Um, I just got a a uh, a Google Nest thing, whatever the hell you call it, to extend mm-hmm. the the uh, the internet. First thing yeah. I did was turn that fucking speaker off because right. <laughs> I don't want the computer to be listening to me all the time. Yes, it's, it's weird enough that when you look up one thing on your phone, suddenly Facebook is all that's advertising that to you. Yeah, yes. that's already bothersome to me. I I, I you know, I, I it, that's you know, the, maybe there is more to to this movie than I'm giving it credit for. Oh, because, I think yeah, because I think we, there's a lot of deep yeah. philosophical issues at bay with Megan that is made palatable by the fact that it's a killer doll movie. Um, 
you know, that that is kind of the genius of it is that is as entertaining as it is as a PG-13 horror fest and that it is not that far. It is that five minutes from now type of sci-fi that um, it just allows you to reconsider what you like. I would never do that, but we're all doing that. In some way or another, we are. Yes. And we're enabling the worst actors in the world to use social media platforms and technology to do terrible things that do not benefit the humanity as a whole. It really goes down to once Google decided to delete don't be evil out of their charter (laughs) that something inherently changed in how tech policies are made. And then you hear a right winger go, it's all the social media people fault. And like, man, you wouldn't be as far along as you were if you didn't have a platform for your crazy bullshit. Right. Exactly. So yeah, I, maybe there is a little, a little, maybe I, maybe I am underestimating how many people would be all right with something like this in their home to a certain point. And I also think you have the element of, you know, she, this is one thing that I really love about this movie is Jim's boss, David, who feels very, if we're going to talk character here, feels very failed upward in terms of how he's presented by Ronnie Chang, who's a very funny actor, but I think needs to be given something that isn't officious and conniving as a character trait down the line. I I think he's explored this. That being said, he's very funny here as he's funny everywhere. He comes in and goes, Hey, this weird Furby update that, that poops when you ask to, (laughs) we need to come up with a cheaper version of this because we're getting undercut by competitors. They're coming up with cheaper and dumber versions of this. And they're, they're taking money out of our pocketbooks. And Gemma hears this is like, great. Here's a robot that costs as much as a Ford Festiva. <laughs> That's <laughs> the opposite of what you were asked to do. I'm just going to come out and say it in terms of, a, you know, following just basic instructions from a marketing standpoint of what your company that you work for needs are. That is not what they asked for. And she's like, no, 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 no. It's like a T-800 that hugs. And everyone's like, yes, love it. Got to be, gotta be into it. <laughs> I, I think in terms of you know, looking at a parent seeing the dead eyes of this robot doll and, and it's it's got this weird smirk on its face and it's like mm-hmm. Gemma why did you design it to look like this you know why did I you why, why do you have it in this weird kind of school like Japanese schoolgirl uniform <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like a little like Barbie it's like no not Barbie it's I in my review I I, I refer to it as a Veruca salt bot, like yeah like she she's got kind of a little little snotty rich girl look, but also yeah. kind of a little fetishy, and and it's like you know, I, I I I want to know the design process of this doll. And, it's so and, interesting because yeah. it, it has the giant anime eyes, but they're also very as you said judgy so you're taking two aesthetics and you're slapping them together (laughs) it just feels very against type in many and in many ways but also it's also in a form that is you can't really fetishize it there's no 
like I can't wait for. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure people can. Come on. For, right, this is very true. But and I say I admit that when when Halloween comes about and we see a thousand sexy Megans hit the strip. <laughs> All you can do is just take away clothes when Megan in and of itself is inherently sexist, sexless, not sexist, um, sexless. And, and it, like, it's just not designed to be fetishized in that way. But also, if you were to just take the screen cap of its face, there are plenty of people who could fetishize the fuck out of that. Uh, I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking, of, uh, but ahead, I'm, I have the Internet. <laughs> I'm just thinking of uh, um, the movie AI sure. and, and Haley Joel Osment's character, who's really mm-hmm. only a slightly more advanced version of Megan. Right. More <laughs> rickety. Uh, um, but he just looks like this, you know, angelic child. Like, who would not want to, to you know, bring this child into their home and, and treat them like a, like, you know, like a second son where yeah. like if like Megan walked in my house, I'm like, no, you need to think, you need to get the fuck out. <laughs> Sorry, you need to park that outside. Yeah, that thing's, <laughs> that's gonna, that thing's gonna gonna come up and give me like an Indian rope bird or something. She just looks like well, a, she looks like a mean little girl. Yes, that is the element that I think is slightly subversive. Is that Gemma has decided has designed a mean girl to live in your house and help you parent. Is it- <laughs> That is going to help you. And it just does not. Again, I think this speaks to the fact that Gemma as a character is fascinated with toys purposes and, and thinking about them as objects unto themselves, right? This has a purpose. It does these things. It does this cool stuff, but that's what a toy is. Whereas human beings are like, you know what? I love Pokemon, but also I love Pokemon because I want to personalize them. I love Pokemon because they seem squishy and they will give me hugs. I like Pokemon because also electrical bolts will come out of their ass and burn somebody alive. You know, they have a lot of facets to them, but that's not really her personality matrix. She does not view it in that sense. So it's one of those things where she simply is, Un, she's not made to see the downside of what she is because if if she were we wouldn't have a motion picture oh, that's now, true, yes. <laughs> um yes that's the other thing i <laughs> listen we love to make fun of movies on this show right it's a, it's an inherent part of it doesn't make sense it, it doesn't but also it doesn't make sense should never inhibit your enjoyment of a motion picture if you're actually enjoying yourself. No, uh, no, it, of course not. I mean, this is, it's it, as, as plausible as the, the general premises, as far mm-hmm. as, you know, someone who doesn't communicate well with children right. uh, coming up with some sort of surrogate parent to fill in that role. And it just so happens to be a, a you interactive software that that part is is you know while tragic is 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 plausible but it's just too and and it's taken to an extreme comically absurd length yes now i don't know how much i've discussed my personal experience with robots on this show but once upon a time i was a professional robot 
Wrangler. I wrangled a particular robot whose manufacturer does not seem to center it very much anymore. I think robotics have gone beyond what they were attempting to do at the time. That said, I still hesitate to really go into detail as to what car manufacturer had created this robot. But let's just say, for the sake of argument, I worked with a real robot and toured with it across the country and made it move on the Today Show. The first thing I was asked by people when they discovered that I worked on this particular project was, how long until you strap a machine gun to this thing? (laughs) And my response was, I have to help it get up the stairs during practice because if it falls, that's $3 million down the toilet. I don't think you can strap a machine gun to this motherfucker. That's not happening anytime soon. It has taken uh, now over 20 years to even approach that possibility. Um, That being said, like someone sooner or later is going to strap a machine gun onto a robot. It's, it's, but here, Megan truly does not need a machine gun. She typifies everything that you can do with robotics that because it's not human, it doesn't give a fuck about things that we would be afraid of. She'll just pull your fucking ear off. Well, also, also, it's it's frightening that as much as she's regurgitating all these things that, uh, um, what is the little girl's name? Callie? Katie. What, Katie. Uh, uh, like, it's, you know, it's just, it's, it's all it is. It's just worse. She doesn't have an emotional bond with Katie right, because, yeah. because she can't. She's a robot. But as you were saying with, you know, things that robots can do, like, and it's another thing, like, like why did they program her to have the, the raw upper body strength of a chimpanzee? <laughs> <laughs> like, again, that, that seems to be a significant safety issue. To, right, to yes. make your robot so strong that that she could strangle, a, a, she could garrote an adult man. <laughs> yes, that she can hold a pressure wash machine whose force is so high that it will take off a person's face. Now, I mean, that, should send, that we... should send her launching across the garage. <laughs> but she just leans into that motherfucker. Again, is that improbable? Is that unlikely? Yes. Do I care? No, no. not at all. No. Because as soon as they entered that garage, I was like, is, is this motherfucker going to throw a basketball through this woman's head? Because it's, it's looking a lot like what the goal of that scene is, is the one thing anyone can remember from Wes Craven's deadly friend, a movie I might remind our audience started out as a love story. <laughs> And it ended up a horror movie because Warner Brothers is like, what's this sappy shit? Where's the bloodshed? And Wes Craven's like, I don't know. Maybe she can throw a basketball through somebody's head. (laughs) And he did. And now I'm going to go to Universal who will let me make some fucking horror movies that I do want to make. I thought, oh, my God, they're going to throw a basketball through this woman's head. Here it goes. Here Here it comes. It's basketball through the head time. And I'm remembering. They can't do that. This is PG-13. You can't have a head explode. And so now what she does is pressure wash that woman's face off. And the uncut version of it is a little more 
flappy in terms of the flesh that comes off, but also not hardcore malignant gross out time. Oh, no, Uh, no, no. Not even close. You know, like Gabriel would have done some fucking damage to that woman. This we cut away. And again, uh, we've talked about this. Like people, young people should be allowed to have an inroads to horror to see whether or not they like it and enjoy that. And then they will find the gorier things after that. You don't want to start with the exorcist. You work your way up to the exorcist. So... I mean, one good thing. One good thing about I think like, this movie, that I think it makes it both enjoyable and also a good gateway for like I'd say preteens, you know, 12, sure. or, 12 yeah. or thirteen, is mm-hmm. that everybody who is killed is a bad person. <laughs> right, exactly. Without the Michael Morbius thing of these are all like the worst people on earth, right? But they're satisfying kills. Yes. You, you don't have, you know, there's no, uh, you know, uh, sacrificial lamb. You know, every yeah. everybody, you know, the kid makes it, Jamma makes it. Uh, I think the the her her two. I mean, it does show the laboratory catching on fire, but I assume that her two her two lab partners they, escaped. Yes, you do see them run away in a hallway. You know, you don't see them make it out the building, but it's assumed the the movie is telling you that they're worse for wear, but they're going to outlive this experience. Right. But everybody, you've got the, the, the horrible neighbor, you've got the, the, the horrible six foot tall, nine year old. Yeah. <laughs> and you want to talk, you want yeah. to talk about the, the, the least plausible things in the movie. <laughs> well, I hate to break it to you, Gina. <laughs> the kids are I've getting bigger these monster days. Monster nine year olds. This is the thing that it's, it's unlikely but also, I've seen kids who just grow too fast too soon. Like, there was a kid in one of Ollie's plays that he was in. Nice kid. Um, but was taller than him. And we have a tall child. Uh, he was taller. He was a year younger. And he was uh, a good three inches taller. And everyone treated him. Like he was eight years old and he's in kindergarten and <laughs> he's way too fucking big. It, it just, he just won that genetic lottery. And so luckily he was that sort of gentle giant. Whereas I've seen plenty of kids of normal size act exactly like that little fucker who is just like, Oh, you've got something special that makes you special. I'm going to beat the holy hell out of you. Like yeah, that he is like exists. that. He is like that, uh, the classic Stephen King psychotic bully. Oh, yes. All he needs is a, is, is a leather jacket and a, sl- and a foxtail and, and, and a switch slicked back hair. And a switchblade. <laughs> he does need a switchblade. But I think him foistering a switchblade would have gotten this movie in an R. So there you go. He has to be physically intimidated rather than uh, uh, flash around a knife uh, to a small child. And that this is also where I felt the movie effectively evokes its the things that it's trying, you know, what is uh, inspiring it. Because one of the things that I think really works in the first two Child's Play movies is that little kid is little. Alex is little. He shouldn't be on a subway train going to Chicago's South Side. When you see him walking around with a doll that's about his size, 
it's crazy. But no one's like, we should stop that kid. <laughs> like nowadays, I think you would stop that kid, which is why you can't just why they ended up aging up the the Alex stand in and the in the recent kids uh child, kids play <laughs> kid and play and they were doing a <laughs> dance where they hit flip feet and they were put, doing a house party and their DJ has bad breath um that's kid and play references okay, again <laughs> kill by kill only the hippest references the freshest the, the newest the dowest <laughs> So uh, in that new child's play, they have to age them up to 12. And it, again, it doesn't, it doesn't work. It's one of those things that makes that child's, those first two child's play movies so good and scary. It's like that kid shouldn't be on his own. That's scary enough as it is. And he's also toting around uh, a doll with a serial killer in t- inside of it. Who's whispering, Hey, I got to get to the South side. This motherfucker needs to die and you need to help me. <laughs> and he does it. <laughs> oh my God. What a movie. What a motion picture. That's the thing. Like you, you have to be kind of outrageous and Megan has the right dose of outrageous. And when the, I think we're getting a lot more of that rather than the sort of, this is the formula you have to hit. I think we're just, I, 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 just, I can't get a, the, the movies, Patrick, they're so fucking good right now. The we're, movies we're, are we're so, so well. good. Yes. I, just, I, just, uh, I can't get over it. <laughs> to put it in the parlance, they have us in a chokehold. They're eating it up, no crumbs. Um, again, these are hip references uh, that don't sound completely weird coming out of my mouth. Um, and I think people are sort of, maybe it'll come to the point where subtlety might come back into vogue. I'm not sure, but I, I think we had enough of the sort of sedate horror films, but that being said, even those sedate quote unquote elevated horror films had moments that shook people to their core and you cannot forget. And as a result, it, those are still, you know, really horror films that horrify that shock and that rock you to their core. They're ideas that you can't, you can't uh, disassociate from. They're just, they wiggle into your brain. And I think right now people are just picking up on the vibe that if someone's going to come to a movie theater, you got to put on a fucking show and Megan puts on a show, baby. Yeah. I mean, is it scary? No, it's not scary. Um, you know. I, well, I think it's, hmm, I think it's not scary to us. Um, I think the situ, I think, but it's also not the kind of horror film that's going for, you're going to have nightmares from this unless you're a little bit younger and you haven't been confronted by these ideas. And then you might very well have nightmares for it. And I, I think you have, you have to be able to service a younger audience if you want to have a genre that continues to live and breathe and continue on. Well, that's why this was, they, they wisely chose to make this essentially make this a meme before it was even released. Yeah. Um, now, luckily it does not seem like people got too tired of it. It didn't overstay its welcome. 
before no, I think before it was released. I think it, it still has, did well. It's just a sticky enough idea that once people got a hold of it, they enjoyed the joke of it. <laughs> they enjoyed the humor of it, the knowing humor of it. And because it delivered what it promised, you have a pleasant uh, aftertaste. You have a pleasant experience from it. And so you don't hold it against it as if it was a bad thing that that sold you one thing and delivered another. This is one of those movies where, yeah, and we've been talking a lot about this with the with the with Skin and Marink. And, and mm-hmm. people, I've listened to our Skin and Marink episode twice now. It's oh, good. probably one of our fav- my favorite episodes that we've done recently. It's it's really good, and I think you want to all listen to it. Even if you have, even if you didn't like Skin and Marink, even if you have no intention of watching Skin and Marink, just listen to it. We actually don't talk about the movie Yeah, I, yeah that I, we're talking about Megan a whole hell of a lot than we talked about Skin um, and Marink. But this is one of those things that's like, if people are complaining about this and complaining about Skin and Marink and complaining about something like... Uh, and this is what I again I mentioned when we did that episode, the Outwaters. I it's right. point I'm going to stop listening to you at this point because you are impossible to please, and your your opinions are invalid right. because that that is literally a something for everybody scenario. Yeah, where you got you have three a very you have three very different kinds of movies. You have the the very you know, lo-fi nothing happens horror movie. You've got the very intense, very gory horror movie, and you've got the the very silly, campy, winking at the audience the whole time horror movie. If right. you can't find something to enjoy in one of those, just stop bothering. Go away. Stop talking. I don't. I don't want to hear your opinions anymore because you are just you know being contrarian for the sake of being contrarian. And I think that's one of the elements that makes Megan kind of stand out as she is the personification of the internet that in many ways, like it works best for the internet generation It's a very specifically knowing movie that takes advantage of what the current audience is aware of as what you can do if you're connected to the internet and how you might act based on the influences of this online feed, just coursing through your body. And the fact that she wants to do these TikTok dances and her way of kind of confounding her prey is to do this weird dance at the end of the hallway that is so ludicrous. And at the end of it to yank a paper cutter out of this mechanism and use it as a machete is such a sticky, fantastic, just profoundly interesting idea. Yeah. I, I, I just don't think there was a way for this to lose if the movie lived up to that promise. And in my mind, it does. Oh, it sure did. And when you mentioned about how, uh, how Megan communicates with people is very much you know, like the internet, just, just uh-huh. absorbing information and spitting it back out without you know, any real knowledge of, of what she's saying, but, you know, complete and total assurance that 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 she knows what she's talking about. You know, I also would would uh, go a step further and say that there comes a point in the movie when uh, Katie, the little girl, when they are separated, when she's uh-huh. separated from Megan, becomes very angry and 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 
and and frantic and says, you know, I need her, I need it back. And it's like, I and I feel that's might be saying something about people's connection, you know, people's internet and social media addiction, where you, yeah. you know, you, you don't feel right if you don't have it near you. Where, you and know, then there's you, all you, you need that that fix of you yes. know of having the internet there, having social media, you know the so, the audience from social media. And there's uh, the other element of it is it's very connected to that specific age of kid. You know when you're like six through nine, there's a sort of sweet spot where you can ask a kid to do something. They're like, okay. Like there's no, there's no like internal mechanism of, the, of them thinking, but why am I doing this? And then you hit those double digits and there's something like, well, why am I blindly following orders from you? It's not rebellion. Like when you get to a tween or teenage, it's more of a questioning and there's still an irrational lizard brain element to a, a kid's behavior that when you go, I'm, this is not being used responsibly or you have violated a rule or you have misbehaved in such a fashion that this has to go away, whatever that is. And they just go feral. There's a, that is a real thing that's, that children do. And you have to be the parent and go, listen, I could tell them that this isn't rational behavior. But they're not in a state to actually listen to it. They're they're caught between stages of development. And I simply have, as the adult, need to weather this storm and be consistent with how I parent. And Gemma's not prepared for that. She's simply not built to do it. There's a legitimate setup in her character of whether or not she has ever had the intention of having children. She certainly isn't trying to do it anytime soon that's not a desire she has so just to to foist this kid on her and to assume that she would instantly know how to raise a 10 11 year old child i don't really know what katie's age is but it doesn't seem young young but it also doesn't seem tween it's right in that sweet spot of 9 10 11 that um it, it, it comes with its own dynamic. It's real tricky stuff. And, you know, Katie's parents had the advantage of knowing that child every single day from baby to that point. Gemma has none of that. She's sink or swim on this. And so, and she's used to not raising anyone. And what she tells something to do, namely a furry robot, or a hulking one that you move with your own hands, they do that. A kid doesn't do that. She's ill-prepared for this responsibility. And and she's also shocked and appalled when, when Megan stops listening to her, which yes. is which is very early on the process, where, where I I feel like you should be a little more concerned than she is. <laughs> you know, originally, she, when she is giving her voice commands to shut down and she's not doing it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that is sign number one that these things are, you need to it's find. Like, I was going to say, you need to reach into, you know, like the little panel on her back and rip that battery out or something. 
You need to start removing chips or adding them in. I'm not sure how it works, but you need to fucking do it. But she's just in too deep. She's overwhelmed. And I think we've all been in a space where we're so overwhelmed that obvious signs that things are going wrong pass over us because there are just too many synapses firing at that moment in time. You, you can't take in subtle information and sometimes you can't even take in obvious information. And as a result, you make mistakes. Now they're not the mistake that kills your boss with a home, with with a office made machete. Um, (laughs) But there you go. You know, I mean, sometimes, sometimes you, know, you forget to sign a permission slip. Other times, you know, your boss gets killed with a machete. <laughs> it you make a of- robot that runs after somebody like, you know, like a crazed, you know, lowland, lowland gorilla. And you're like, <laughs> well, I didn't see that one coming. Um, who would have? I was going to say, it's, you know, yes, part of the crazy world of being a parent, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen, we've all been. There. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, some, you know, you, well, we all have the you know, the kid who accidentally you know, throws a ball into the neighbor's yard. You know, sometimes our neighbor ends up with their their face getting blasted off with a power washer. <laughs> now, this is a character I want to discuss in a little bit more detail because I feel like this is a personal grudge <laughs> because I've met these dog owners, the dog owner that is blind to what their animal is capable of or how anyone else perceives them, right? And that dog may be many, many things, but it's obviously very overprotective of its environment. And her response to that is, this is your fucking fault. And no, 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 no. You have a dog with behavioral problems. That is on you. That is how our previous dog, Nigel, got bitten both times he was bitten by other dogs. We were in a dog park. Someone came in and says, is it okay for us to come in? I'm like, it's a dog park. I mean, you've got your dog under verbal control. And the guy said, yeah, yeah, I totally do. I'm throwing the tennis ball to Nigel. This is back when he had quite a spring in step. And this dog could not handle the fact this dog was going after a ball. And it didn't take him five minutes before he tore into my dog's chest. And I'm like, wow, okay, this is a this is a lot more damage than I thought of in the moment. This is this, I have to take this dog to the vet, and I need your information because you will be paying for this. And his response was, "Are we? Sh- I mean, could we not? Because I have an album coming out here pretty soon. <laughs> like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> your advance has now become repair my perfectly lovely dog." advance i don't care what album you have coming out you're paying for my dog's medical bills are you allowed to say who it was no one who's made music that i've listened to or i don't uh, he is probably working in a in a guitar warehouse or whatever the fuck they call them (laughs) oh yeah he's telling people not to play uh stairway to heaven (laughs) no but the yeah you're absolutely right with the you know the untrained you know dog who somehow has not learned to be around people which yeah. would which would seem to be the first skill one would teach a dog you 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 see that a lot here and i think people purposely like to make their dogs intimidating because they think it turns it in turn makes them intimidating right, right. um but yeah so it, it's, she's got it, it, you know and if the dog like jumps on you 
that's, you know, the person will be like, oh, he's just trying to be your friend. He's just being friendly. And we're like, please, God, get him off me. (laughs) (laughs) He's he's going to rip my throat out. No, 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 he just wants to kiss you. It's okay. No, 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 no. Take people's, you know, personal boundaries into consideration. You would have to train your dog. Don't ask other people to train your dog. If you don't get off me. And I like dogs. I I, I love oh, yeah. dogs. I I can't imagine how scary that must be for people who who are comfortable around dogs. Right. Yeah. No. It's again, people. It, weirdly enough, Gemma has the same problem. She just does not realize it. She has a rabid dog that she has running around her house that will damage people if they come too close to it. But she's she is just as overly close to the situation as Celia, her next door neighbor is. They, they have the same problem, but Gemma doesn't view it as such because how could her robot cause any damage on the level that this rabid overprotective dog does? Well, <laughs> ask that to that Brendan kid who, got, who ran in front of a fucking car with, with who, and I might add, he ran in front of that car with one less ear than he had mere minutes before. I love how casual the cop talking to Jim is. Yeah, well, I was looking around and I just <laughs> found this ear on the ground. <laughs> I mean, but <laughs> is that something that happens to you a lot, Chief? Detective? Do, do people's ears get thrown off their bodies and sent yard, you know, a football field away? That's Generally not something I've heard of before. I rarely go into the forest and find loose ears. That's uh, <laughs> not a thing. I mean, unless you're in the town that Blue Velvet took place in. Right, exactly. Then, well, even then, it's right on your front lawn. Like, you don't have to go to an exotic location. It's right there waiting for you next to the newspaper. Uh, <laughs> boy. We should, do, um, we should do Blue Velvet, so that's a fucking horror movie. Oh, sure. Absolutely. We'll add it to the list. Fuck yeah. Let's do it. What do I care? We're already throwing Runaway onto the to the list. Yeah, finally! <laughs> I've only been asking for five fucking years! <laughs> well, I guess... We were we had always threatened, right? Let's do a little bit of housekeeping here. We'd always threatened to do a series that was along the lines of Cobra of these 80s action movies that have a body count because they're essentially horror procedurals, right? And you could throw in a bunch of different things into that mix and Runaway would absolutely be one of them. Um, We just haven't quite, like the first power and Kinjate and Ninja 3 and we've bandied about hard target and shit like that. And so I kind of figured like eventually we would get to that run, but I, I, why do I, I feel like I'm somehow an effective producer when I probably suck at this. So maybe we should just do it and get it over with. Yay. Yes. <laughs> but we'll have to get it over with after animal attacks, April, because yes. uh, animal attacks, April was filled uh, with all sorts of uh, clawed beasties um, and gnashings of teeth and uh, eaten babies. So got that to look forward to. <laughs> oh, my God. 
I don't know how people are going to react to a movie where a baby gets eaten, Gina. I I, I know. I, I'm delighted to find out. <laughs> so I guess the question I have for you is, well, our toy sort of uh, the, the moment in which we were enjoying toys uh, was not as electronic, although I sort of, you know, we both kind of aged into the, the time where Atari was king, but that it's a very different feel than like a tactile toy that you're playing with as opposed to playing. Mm-hmm. What was your, what was the toy that you got? Like, this personifies what a toy is and what I enjoy about it. Oh gosh. Um, I did actually have a, a a robot learning toy when I was maybe six or seven years old. It was called Alfie. And, okay. and you basically just had to switch out these little like cards to it taught you basic things like numbers and colors and stuff like that. Sure. I yeah. mean, I was a big Barbie person. Uh, so I, I had a pretty substantial Barbie collection. But gosh, what was my favorite toy? Um, I mean, ironically, I got to say, a tape recorder (laughs) (laughs) where I would literally record myself doing pretend interviews. So, I mean, I, I, well, that never paid off, Gina. It's not like you ever ended up talking (laughs) into a microphone for extended periods of time for literal years on end. (laughs) Yeah. It was just a, just a pipe dream. (laughs) I also had a, a, uh, a tape recorder that um, I would tape record um, Dr. Demento and I would tape record uh, the songs that I loved off of there. And then I would uh, sing them songs like wet dream, which my mother uh, socked me on the shoulder for. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, why are you singing? I'm like, it's a song of Dr. Demento. She's like, you know what that is. I'm like, yeah, it's a song about fish. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> so but I was like, what are you? I had no concept that that was in any way, shape, or form a sexual reference. It just whew, over my fucking head. Um, I had not heard of this phenomenon. And of course, she had not told me anything like that. Why she felt I would know that, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I had a bunch of Star Wars figures and things of that uh, sort of era. The thing that I'm really fascinated with was actually a toy my brother had. It was from a toy line called Mask. And it was a sort of of the era of G.I. Joe and Transformers. And it kind of, you know, melded those concepts into one. And it was basically these vehicles that would turn into other vehicles. And one of them was a motorcycle that would turn into like a hover bike where the two uh, tires would separate in the middle and sort of become, you know, jet pods. So um, it would hover about and like, and I just, I was too old to really play with it, but I was, I would just look at it for hours. And I'm still, I still occasionally look up on eBay how much, one of those would cost. <laughs> That's how fascinating I was. But I really like what, you know, I played with Star Wars action figures, but that was just like recreating something I didn't have immediate access to because you couldn't play Star, you couldn't put a video cassette of Star Wars into the VCR and just immediately watch it. 
the that was before there was even a VCR market. So I had seen Star Wars twice and was like, how can I recreate this thing? And so finally, a year later, they came out with action figures and I could try to recreate it in my brain. But, um, I, you know, that's as close. To, but as far as like one thing that stuck with me, it was a toy that wasn't even mine. <laughs> I'm, I'm fascinated with that thing. I mean, honestly, I if, if something like Megan had been around when I was a kid, I would have coveted it because sure. I yeah I was a, a pretty lonely kid. Like my siblings were not born until I was into my teens. There's a big, big, big age gap there, mm-hmm. and so uh, you know something. And you know my my parents were a, a little bit disconnected from the whole parenting thing. So I I probably would have enjoyed having mm-hmm. this sort of uh, you. Robot friend. <laughs> like, I I don't know that I would have trusted her because again she kind of looked more like you know like she was going to bully you more than more than yeah. your friend. But you know, you know, if she kind of looked like a you know a combination of of uh, of of my buddy, which was obviously what inspired uh, the Chucky doll, yeah, and, and um, but but had the persona of Megan, I would have been like, yeah, I want one of those. Hell yeah. <laughs> Yes. Um, something that could instantly look up internet information without you having to use the, the burden of using your thumbs. Um, yeah, I think I think Megan would have no tolerance for me. Um, Just side-eyeing I, I, you all the time. Yeah, I mean, I was, a, I was a little creepy little wiener, I think, in a lot of senses. <laughs> and it lived in my head is the other thing. Like I, when you say like I've, I recorded conversations as if I was interviewing people, I think I, I definitely did that, but only within the context of me talking to myself. Um, Oh, I did that. Oh, I did that too. I mean, I definitely yeah. recorded myself talking to myself, and, and I'm I'm sure you know somebody else listened to it would have sounded like the the rantings of a deeply disturbed the child. rantings of a bad man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I listen with Oliver's, you know, I'm not going to call out specific friends, but every once in a while you'll, you'll hear some, you you know, you'll be privy to a conversation and you'll hear what they have to say. And it's kind of like they've built up this tight five in their head of what they think is funny or hilarious. And they're recounting it without any uh, um, concept of what, like they don't consider who's around them or their enjoyment or whether or not what they're saying is interesting. They're just, I've got to get this out because I've taught, I've, I've thought about, thought about, thought about, thought about, thought about it. And I'm just going to, yep, 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 yep. And you're like, Oh my God, that was me. That, now I'm seeing me. I'm definitely that kid. And it uh, cost me every friendship I had. <laughs> until my junior year of high school. Well, that's what you mean. But that's when you meet other weirdos, which is, which yeah, is, yeah. I mean, I was a senior in high school when I when I you know, met my weirdos, and I'm I still I'm still close friends with them today because you know I think we just you know that weirdness brings people together. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a tough one. It really is when you think about the kind of child you were. Oh I, yeah, I, I don't I, look I, back. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't, I mean, I certainly deserved a considerable amount of bullying I received. <laughs> 
It's not to say that it was undeserved, you know, <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not saying bullying is good. I'm just saying it was prompted. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm not I, innocent. I, I, I was, if I could see, if I was like outside of me and saw me as a child walking around, it's like, man, somebody help that child. <laughs> someone, someone, someone help that person out. Just, just give they're her, in dire need. Just give I mean, her some guidance. My God. <laughs> obviously too weird to live. Exactly. It needs some amount of, you know, guidance. Like just give them a rope line or something. I don't know. <laughs> Um, and now here we but, are, the coolest people who ever lived. <laughs> I mean, listen, if I wasn't that weird and I wasn't that weirdly obsessed with like television and all that junk, like I wouldn't have ended up with the person with the job that I've had for now two decades, two full fucking decades. So, you know, like... It did pay off eventually, but I don't think it made me like everyone's taste treat. Like, no, <laughs> like I, it just didn't, uh, I was not popular and nor should I have been because nothing that I had at the time would have brought anyone to the yard. It wasn't. <laughs> no, I brought, you know, I brought nothing to the table. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It really was up until the point, like the weird obsessions that I had started to pay off because I was so into hip hop at the time and no one else was because my high school was terminally white that when rap achieved a level of, because we were in a monoculture, you know, once MTV raps was on the air and it started to cross over the fact that I had rehearsed various hip hop dances alone in my room for hours on end began to pay off. This was something I could do that people couldn't like they could go. Mm, uh, I don't see this coming out of that kid, but I had tried so hard and I had a basic amount of rhythm and I dedicated myself to the craft that I could do like I wasn't break dancing everyone. This was whopping cabbage patch, running man, Roger Rabbits. These were basic moves of the time, but I had watched so many MC Light videos that I was, you know, I could I could assimilate a Big Daddy Kane backup dancer to a certain degree. And people are like, oh, I didn't expect that out of this the dorkiest kid I've ever seen in my fucking life. And <laughs> that worked. Yeah. I don't know what it has to do with Megan, but I, yeah. I think that I, I think that uh it was after I got out of high school that I <laughs> I no 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 that's not entirely true. By the time I got to the end of high school, I I became slightly known for having a good sense of humor. Um, and, and, you know, the, the kind who would just sort of be, you know, make random, random sarcastic remarks and, yeah. you know, and people tell me, oh, it's not how you, it's not what you're saying. It's how you say it. And I'm like, I, yeah, I yeah, guess yeah. that's a good thing. <laughs> well, you know, it's the kind of stand up that's personality driven. Yeah. Like there's, there are standups who do very, very well 
who end up on big stadiums that are, it's not really that they're the smartest person in the room. It's what they're saying. It's just smart enough, but the way they say it puts it over the top. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I suspect, I suspect that if I had been in high school 10 years later, when Daria was a thing mm-hmm. that, that I would have done much better for myself. <laughs> Finally, the monoculture had caught up to what you were. Yeah, because, oh, boy, yeah. did I get like, hey, you know what you remind me of? Like, <laughs> for, like, a good two years straight during the mid-90s. Yeah. Um, anything else we're missing from Megan, or should we go right into Choose Your Own Death Venture? It's a lot of fun. Like, it, yeah. you know, if you're, oh, oh, I was going to say the, the moment where I'm almost positive they cut in the voice of Chucky is right at the end. Uh, she's attacking Gemma and says something like the only one who's in control of me is me. And, mm. and her voice changes mm. at, 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 the, at that second me. And I'm like, mm-hmm. that's Chucky's voice. Isn't it somehow? Well, it listen, it's released by universal. You know, who owns the rights to Chucky universal. You know who's doing everything right right now? Universal. In my mind, Universal. And you know what? I think it, I, I will bet folding money that there is going to be a crossover movie at some point. I at some point at some <laughs> listen. You got to let Megan, you know, become whatever the franchise that is. You have to establish that it can be a franchise. You know, they have every intention of doing that. Um, I don't think, you know, the, once you, once you make a monster movie out of it, like you absolutely can't, but right now, the best thing they have going for them is their independent franchises that don't need the goose from each other because Chucky on television is a rare cable hit. That is a cable hit is not really something. It's in a, a very rare group. It's, uh, Chucky and Yellowstone. <laughs> There's not a ton of them out there. Uh, that are doing numbers on cable uh, right now. So uh, they're just fine uh, as far as that. But yes, you can hint at it that they live in the same universe because they absolutely can in many respects, but I don't think it's a place you need to go right away because they also kind of live in different spaces. Chucky is at its core. It requires the supernatural. Megan does not. And I would love for them to keep the supernatural out of Megan's mouth for a, a while because you don't need to go there. You've got plenty of places to do that. Um, but Universal, it, as far as being like a movie studio, is kind of understanding the assignment that to get butts and seats in movie theaters, you have to deliver something people aren't getting at home. An outrageous premise that you deliver on. And Megan and Cocaine Bear are things that do that. And, you know, whether you love it or not, Fast and Furious movies also tend to deliver the things that they promise. Like, they've told you what genre they are. They're Fast and Furious movies. And so long as you do that, I think people walk away from the experience going, I got what I wanted out of this. Whereas you just do a solo rock movie and call it, Fast and Furious presents, people aren't quite as, you know, lovely about that. Yeah, no. Uh, so let's choose our own death venture where we decide of the uh, deaths presented in this film. If we were forced to die in that manner, 
uh, which one would we choose and why? Of course, right off the bat, you could be accidentally run over by a snow groomer, <laughs> or you could be ripped apart and buried um, <laughs> by Megan, or you can um, have your ear torn off and fall down a hill and accidentally be run over by a car. Uh, you can get shot in the hand with a nail gun, then have your face ripped off by a pressure washer. You can get impaled through the back uh, by a paper cutter blade or just get your wrist and neck slashed uh, and you bleed out and then you're blamed for another murder that was not your fault. Or I don't know if we qualify Megan as, as alive necessarily, but she's stabbed in the brain and uh destroyed she gets uh, she gets she uh, she gets she gets bishoped yeah she does get bishoped hardcore so uh gina i i choose you to go first uh you know what i'm gonna take uh a run through the back with a uh a paper cutter because i i do so love that little dance and and and, and, and if that has to be the the first the last thing i see before i die I'm, i'm okay with that yeah yeah, and listen, the reason you're not getting away is because an elevator isn't arriving when you need it to. Again, technology is letting you down, but also technology that you're partially responsible for is shoving a paper cutter right through your chest. Like, you're going pretty fast. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's good. Um, that's the way to go. There's no other way that's better than that. I'm not I'm not getting run over by a snow grober. That doesn't sound like fucking fun. Uh, it's tragic. That's what it comes down to, but everyone will be talking about how a robot killed me or my underling that I, uh, <laughs> I does not, uh, believe in me enough to sell the, this technology to the highest bidder online with my corporate fucking email, Gina. <laughs> Kurt is in the, in the history of dumb characters, dumb wieners that we've seen on this show. Kurt's pretty high up there in the dumb wienerdom. Yeah, he he's he's among the weeniest. It's it's a real special talent, and I you know I think that actor's doing a great job. He's he's set up to do it, but he's you think well, there's an incompetent person who's in over their head working for somebody who's definitely in over their head. So how can he possibly win? But then he's like, oh, he has no idea how to win. <laughs> he's <laughs> he's stupid at winning. And no matter what he thinks is a win, we'll end up hurting him in the end. And, you know, he dies in an elevator. So uh, I do. I do like that when he's he's trying, he's stealing the, um, uh, I guess, the programming for for Megan. It takes about about 15 seconds to transfer <laughs> yeah, all got, that information. They've got a great Ethernet. In yeah. That, in that. Like, holy <laughs> like, shit. Sign me up. Sign me up. <laughs> Sign me up for that 8G internet that, that allows him to do that. It takes me longer to upload the uh, the previous episodes of this show onto my external hard drive than it was for him to send an email with the programming for this robot who runs like a gorilla. Um, <laughs> it's hard to believe, but again, I don't care because I'm entertained. And so that just about does it. Uh, Josh Hollis does all of our artwork and Revenge Body does our music. Uh, go to revengebody.com or revengebodymemphis at bandcamp.com to get this theme and similar remixes. Gina, where can people find you on these here internets? I write about television and movies at thespool.net. 
by the time this goes up, I will have reviewed uh, Scream 6, which we will also be doing an upcoming episode on, of course. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. I also have a, a, a newsletter, uh, at GinaWatchesThings.substack.com, where you can see uh, a fuller review of my thoughts about Megan, uh, which I very much enjoyed. Uh, and I am on Twitter under G, also under Gina Does Things. Do it today, people. Check it out. Of course, you can find us on all the socials. Come over and hang out with us on Facebook. Go to our Patreon, where we have lots of extra fun stuff for you to listen to, including uh, in this last month, we talked about Hot Fuzz, which was a listener request. And of course, our latest uh, that just released uh, the other day, uh, where we're talking about Friday the 13th, Part 5, a new beginning, all the way through it, not stopping at one point, at any point, uh, to take a breath. We're just talking all the way through it in the hopes that what we see changes, and it doesn't. Um, it's still Roy. <laughs> at the end of the day, it's still a woman running away from a crazed killer in white boots in a rainstorm. Um, that is a motion picture, everyone. And we are going to discuss it in detail. And of course, um, next week we'll have one more uh, TV terrors to discuss. And then we will be in the thick of Animal Attacks April. We have three great Animal Attack movies lined up uh, for you to listen to and enjoy. And some great guests too. Don't worry, folks. The body count will continue for myself and for Tina. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye.